Welcome to the Hat Soil Health Podcast, a production of Hoosier Ag Today and made possible by the Indiana Conservation Cropping Systems Initiative, a program of the Indiana Conservation Partnership. Once a month, we'll spotlight the many efforts around Indiana by CCSI and its many partners to improve soil health on Indiana cropland. Here's the host of the Hat Soil Health Podcast, Eric Pfeiffer. Tomatoes for processing are a significant part of Indiana's vegetable acreage. They're typically grown in rotation with field corn, seed corn, and soybeans. So what goes into the decision to use cover crops, and how do they fit in to the rotation? That's the question we answer on today's Soil Health Podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm Eric Pfeiffer. And to answer that question, I have a couple of guests with me here today. First, I want to welcome in James Rice with Rice Farms Tomatoes, LLC. Uh, James, if you could introduce yourself for the audience. Thanks, Eric. Uh, yeah, my name is James Rice. Uh, I'm a fifth-generation farmer uh, up in northwest Indiana. We're actually in the town of Wanataw. Um, we grow tomatoes for red gold, uh, seed corn for Remington seeds, corn, soybeans, and a little bit of wheat. Um, we're mainly irrigated. We farm around 3,500 acres. Um, our soils are a lot lighter. Um, we got a lot of sand, sandy loam, black sand, brown sand, um, but they do kind of vary. We can get into some stickier soils in part of the farms that we grow, but, um, but yeah, we've been growing seed corn for almost 40 years and tomatoes for uh, a little over 30 some years. And uh, yeah, I'm 36 years old, have three kids, live right here on the farm and uh, yeah, I'm excited to get talking about the stuff we're doing here with uh, in regards to cover crops. Fantastic. James, thank you so much for joining us. I also want to welcome in Kurt Utterback. He's the Senior Agriculture Coordinator for Red Gold. He also farms himself in Alexandria. Uh, Kurt, please introduce yourself for the audience. Yeah, thanks, Eric. Uh, Kurt Utterback. Um, I'm a Senior Agriculture Coordinator with Red Gold. I've been uh, with Red Gold for 25 years. Um, uh, agriculture coordinator uh, compromises just uh, talking with the growers in different areas. I have uh, I cover the northwest Indiana portion of Red Gold's territory, which includes what uh, James's area uh, in central Ohio and um, around the Muncie, Indiana area. Utterback um, Farms. My brother and I uh, raise tomatoes for Red Gold as well. Been raising for twenty years. Uh, we also raise corn, uh, seed beans, uh, regular beans for uh, seed. So, um, yeah, and we've been doing cover crops for quite a while. Not as uh, well, on our soils, we don't need to worry about the uh, sand or the, the blowing uh, soil. So kind of uh, just started in it. So that's where we're at. Well, very good. We'll we'll jump right in here, and I, I want to jump to James here real quick and just talk about uh, cover crops. Uh, have cover crops always been a part of your farming operation, or, or if not, when did you start with cover crops? Yeah, I mean, the answer to that is kind of a yes and a no. Um, cover crops for us have always been something we've been doing like after a tomato crop. Um, because the residue is pretty minimal after the crop's harvested, and where we at, are at with soil types, uh, we always did it for, you know, wind and soil erosion control um, once that crop was harvested. But the last five or seven years, we've kind of gotten into more of a whole 
farm approach um, to cover crops uh, in not only seed corn acres, but some of our soybean acres and even commercial corn acres. And, and we're looking at more um, doing things that actually prior the fields that are going to tomatoes or seed or whatever. And, you know, at this time we're doing, I know, probably 70 to 80% of our total crop acres. And I'm assuming in the not so distant future, we're going to end up being more than that hundred percent range. We just, uh, we really feel there's some great benefits with it and we're happy with the results that we're seeing so far. So that's kind of the progression that we've been at. Um, we're still playing with a lot of stuff, but um, that's kind of where we're at right now. Well, I want to talk about those benefits here in just a moment, but I, I want to go back here to Kurt. Kurt, you mentioned that you just kind of got started here with cover crops. Talk about how you got started and and what uh, what it is you uh, what cover crops you have. Yeah, we probably started. Uh, oh, I'm going to think 2016, uh, and like James said, we we did it after the after the tomato crop come off the early early portion of the, the season. Um, so that's when we started and, um, and when we did that, uh, Red Gold teamed up with lacrosse seeds and, uh, started, you know, doing their own, uh, mixes. And, uh, so we combined with Red Gold there and, and tried that out for the first year, first couple of years. So that's where we started at, um, doing that. Now you talk about the benefits, James, uh, so, so what benefits are you talking about? What are some examples of what you're talking about with those benefits? Yeah, sure. So, you know, probably number one for us is the blowing problems in the spring, whether it be we're planting tomatoes or, or seed corn or whatever, but uh, because of the sandy nature of our soil and, you know, wind and water erosion can be a, a real problem. So probably our number one benefit would be just that, just, keeping the, the wind problems, you know, when those, when those little seed corn plants are just getting above the ground, you know, that having some cover there still um, really can help in, in not letting those things get blasted by the sand. But, it, you know, some of the other benefits, you know, we found we just, we really like the soil structure and the results that we're getting by putting like a cereal rye um, prior to a tomato crop. And, we basically leave that standing, we terminate it, but then leave it standing till a day or so before we plant. And then we might run a vertical tillage tool or something of that nature just to, just to get it, uh, the seed bed in a good enough uh, area that, you know, we feel that we're getting good soil contact around the transplants and stuff for tomatoes. But yeah, those are some of the benefits. Um, I, you know, just even image to us is very important. Sustainability image and just, um, providing, you know, tools for us to show the public that we're wanting to improve our soil and water um, and then what, what we're doing as a farm here. So, you know, those are probably some of the main benefits that I see at the moment. Yeah, I think, um, James, we hear that too with um, in the community about, you know, what are you guys doing? And, you know, I see it, something growing. And I think that's that started out. I think that does help community image and that's a big deal for us personally red or utterback farms and red gold to know that guys are thinking about you know the soil so now james i heard you mention cereal rye do you use any other cover crops yeah so we've uh we've played with several things um cereal rye is probably our favorite uh we have we're doing some annual rye uh we do some oats and radishes when we feel a field's compacted and we can get it Planted in a timely manner, 
Um, the, the trouble with that we have with like oats and radishes is that, you know, we're really looking for residue in the springtime or not, you know, yes, it's great that they can kind of help with uh, compaction and whatnot, but the winter kill of the oats and radishes sometimes leaves us, you know, wishing we had a lot more residue um, come springtime. So our main things that we're doing right now would be cereal rye, annual rye, and we do a, some wheat too um, on some of our seed corn acres. So those are the main ones. We've done some winter peas and uh, played with a few little things here and there, but um, for the ease of application and for the amount of acres that we're trying to get across now with our vertical till tool, um, it seems cereal rye, annual rye, and wheat have been the best choices for us. So when do you plant and how do you terminate that? Yeah, so planting really takes place right after the crops come off, uh, whether it be, you know, seed corn can start being harvested, you know, early September, even late August, if the seasons accelerate a little bit. Um, but yeah, we, we would start, you know, we usually just, as soon as they're done with harvest, we come in with our vertical tillage tool. It's got an air seeder on it. So it's just a one pass machine. It levels the field nice and, uh, we can rate control what we're putting down with that. So really we kind of just follow whatever the, wherever the harvest crews are at, whether it be seed corn or tomatoes. And if they need some type of tillage prior to being seeded, we do that first, but if not, we just go into the standing stalks or standing crop residue and uh, just apply with our BT tool. You mentioned some of this equipment. Is this special equipment that, that you've had to do because you wanted to do cover crops? Yeah, so we've added a, a Hineker air seeder. We had a Great Plains um, vertical tillage tool. And prior to the air seeder, what we would do is just spread with a, either a buggy type, pool type spreader, or we would use you know, a local co-op or somebody that would use a big A, a floater type spreader to spread. And then we'd vertical till over the top. But we were really trying to be as efficient as we could and eliminate passes and, and, and that way. So yeah, we ended up adding a couple of years ago, uh, this Henniker air seeder, which is controlled by uh, green star, which is John Deere's rate controller system. So it's all integrated into our screens and our tractors and we can decide what pounds, um, that we're going to put down as we're going. It's, it's really a quick process, runs eight or nine miles an hour, and uh, we can get across acres quickly and efficiently that way. Now, Kurt, you, you just got started back here uh, but maybe about five years ago. Uh, did you have to purchase any equipment or anything to, to start using cover crops? No, we, we've just uh, basically just after tomato harvest, we'll uh, go in with a deep ripper and uh, get that level down or broke up and then come in with um, – like what James is talking, a, a floater type spreader with the oats, radish, and turnip, and uh, till it down with some vertical till. So, and that's that's as much as we've done. So, no no special equipment for us at, at this time. Now, Kurt, I want to I want to step into the the red gold aspect of this a little bit. Um, okay. How does red gold support growers using cover crops? Well, like I said, in, in I believe it was 2016. We team we saw this you know, uh, opportunity with going forward with lacrosse seeds and teaming up with them and uh, trying to push the push the uh, cover crop thing along or, you know, put it out there with our growers. Uh, so we do have our own mix, couple mixes, and then we have the uh, opportunity if, the, if growers want to do a different uh, mix, custom mix, they can do that with lacrosse seeds as well. But uh, 
So yeah, we, we've been, uh, I think we started out in 2016 with 35,000 pounds, something like that. Now we're up over 70,000. So, um, we're moving right along with that. And it's not anything that, uh, you have to do, but we put it out there for the growers. If, you know, it's a good thing to do for the community and, and, uh, it's what we like to do. I, I, that was kind of the next question, you know, are there marketplace standards or, or pressures that influence how red gold and contracted farmers use cover crops? I wouldn't say pressure. Um, it, um, it's just something, you know, we sustainable. I think we want to take show, show everybody we are taking care of the ground or, or like to take care of the ground. And, uh, cause you know, tomatoes can be tough on the soil and, uh, especially in a, in a wetter year, but, uh, we like to put that out there and this oats, radish, turnip mix with like James was talking about breaks up that compaction and then give you some green over the winter time. So I think it, uh, I've had many, many compliments on, you know, what we're trying to do around here in the Alexandria area and, and what, uh, what the fields look like through the winter. Now, James, uh, cover crops, they're often considered as, as one tool in a soil health plan. So what would be some other key practices for soil health that you use? Yeah, so soil health to us, you know, it, we do everything from uh, variable rate spreading um, just to only put nutrients where they're needed. We really try to do a minimum approach to tillage, especially in our uh, lighter soils. Um, we're, at, we're implementing filter strips next to most waterways that we can do that with and that the land owner or our own land, we can get the permission for that. Um, so just really looking at every little aspect and area that we can improve um, and, and just only be using nutrients that are needed um, and just making sure that our farms are just as good as we can make them and that we're being the best stewards of of the land that we're given to farm and so yeah cover crops is one tool but our, our whole farm approach is just to really look at soil quality water quality and and how we can just continually improve that through any practices um that we're trying to do so so yeah pretty much the that's kind of where we're at with with what we're doing today now there are some nrcs programs out there for cover crops uh, james have you used any of those uh, yeah, we have. We actually, this was just our third year. I think our first program is it's ending after this season. Um, we had about roughly 600 acres uh, signed up in that program. Uh, we've reapplied for another, about the same amount of acreage um, to try to get that approved. So we're kind of still in the process. I just actually checked with the local office in the last couple of weeks, and they said hopefully in the next month or two, they'll have an answer on that. Um, but yeah, it definitely has been a, an aid in helping us to uh, be more excited as far as from a financial standpoint, they kind of can help pay for some of the seed and, and get you, you know, it, it might have paid even some to get our air seeder put on and helped us in that decision making to do that. So yeah, it was, it's really been a great program for us. Uh, we'd love that we're hoping that we get re-enrolled in some other farm acres um, for the next three year term but uh but yes we've done it what have you found to be the best places to find information about using cover crops and processing tomatoes james you know as far as actual uses it's kind of just uh our, our own 
um, you, you know, there's not, there's not one size fits all um, for processing tomatoes, especially like when I think of red gold and their geography, um, the soil types are pretty highly variable. And Kurt could probably speak of this a little more too, but um, comparative to like where Kurt's farming and where I'm farming, um, our soil structure would be way different. So what works for Kurt uh, may not work for me. And so it's really just come down to trial and error uh, for us and, and using what we think is, is the best fit, but may not actually be the best fit for another grower. So, yeah, for us, it's just kind of been our own experiences and just trying different things and, and seeing what, what we can find that works the best. Yeah, because I can, uh, we don't have to, in central Indiana, we don't have to worry about the blowing sand. So, I mean, we're more into the, the oats, radish, turnip, winter kill crop, cover crop. And, uh, and like what James already talked about, his, his uh, cereal rye, which he wants to hold that, hold the sands from blowing in the spring. So, yeah, it's, uh, and then you go to central Ohio and they're, they're similar to what we are here in central Indiana. And then you go up to, uh, uh, north of Toledo in the Blissfield, Michigan area, they would be more, you know, that uh, one to keep the winter winter sands from moving and the winds. So, yeah, we had all kind of different areas, but, uh, you know, we kind of cover the whole, whole gamut. Now, Kurt, I'm going to ask you this first because you've done this uh, a bit more recently, uh, but what advice would you have for someone – who isn't using cover crops and processing tomatoes right now, but maybe want to get started? I would, uh, I would go with the winter kill option, and um, because you know uh, the the cereal rye, anything like that that you have to kill it, it, it uh, not going, not knowing what you're doing going into it. I think you've got to have about three plans, and and maybe you have to use a fourth. Uh, for you know that when, if you don't get the wind that your spray on at the right time, uh, you could have some issues. So that's I mean that's what our Utterback Farms thought process was was go into it easy, and uh, okay you got a winter kill option that's great that's what we want to try and then if we get more comfortable with what we're doing we'll probably go into the soil rye and or anything like that that you have to that you need to to uh, kill in the springtime. But I would say go in slow. Uh, with a winter kill option of uh, oats and radish, uh, anything like that. And so, so to add to that, uh, Kurt brought up a good point there, the whole termination side of it. Um, it that actually is probably one of the most difficult uh, aspects of the kind of covers that we're doing. Is, uh, timely termination is really important when it comes, you know, when you get those difficult springs and you get cold and then all of a sudden it turns warm real quick and you're rushing out there to, to plant and, and here you go out to the field and then everything's green. And if you're trying to till it, you're not actually planting into the standing cover. Um, you got a real mess. So one thing, you know, we're very on top of when we're terminating things. We have one dedicated person that just runs our crop application sprayer. And so uh, we can be Johnny on the spot whenever we need to uh, think about terminating those covers and and that's extremely important in a cover crop plant whether you plant into it or not you know is you know personal choice and different things that guys are doing but uh, we normally terminate them and then we either plant into that residue or we run a light vertical tillage pass after that 
That's James Rice from Rice Farms Tomatoes, LLC in Wanata, Indiana. You can find him online at ricefarmsllc.com or on Facebook at Rice Farms LLC. Kurt Utterback has been with us as well, Senior Agriculture Coordinator for Red Golds. You can find more information at redgoldfoods.com. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us on the Hat Soil Health Podcast. A great discussion today around cover crops and tomatoes. Thank you. Thanks, Eric. And that does it for this edition of the Hat Soil Health Podcast. Thanks for joining us. And remember, you can always go back and listen to previous episodes of the Hat Soil Health Podcast at hoosieragtoday.com. Just click on the Soil Health tab up at the top of the page. Thank you to the Conservation Cropping Systems Initiative of Indiana, sponsor for today's podcast. Check them out and find a calendar of events at ccsin.org. I'm Eric Pfeiffer. This has been a production of Hoosier Ag Today, Indiana's Farm Network.